Hey folks, it's Jeremy, the host of Blamo. Thanks so much for listening. This is a preview of one of our exclusive shows on Patreon. These are member-supported shows, meaning they only happen because of our incredible members and community. So check out a preview of the episode, and if you like it, consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Blamo, where we have tons of exclusive Blamo episodes, shows, our amazing Slack group, and we're adding new things for members all the time. If not, no worries, we still love you, and we literally have hundreds of episodes of Blamo all free for you to dive into. Thanks so much. Okay, so you're in. You got your first watch, and you realized, holy cow, this is amazing. I'm ready to dive deeper. Well, like clothing, you know vintage is where it's at, but how on earth do you buy a vintage watch. Where do you start? Is it only for the super rich? Spoiler alert, it's not. I'm joined by my friend and past guest of the pod, Eric Wynn, to ask these questions and the tons of other questions you all have asked over the years. We discuss what you should look for when getting into vintage, great watches under $500, how to develop your style, the ultimate vintage set, and Eric shares his thoughts on what he feels is extremely overrated. It's surprising, exciting, and the first of many deep dives on Blamo Extra. Uh, well, thanks for stop. Thanks for chatting. This is this is going to be a, a lot of fun. This is something that I'm super glad that we're working on together. But um, it'll be great to also have a, a place to to send people after this because I think I get hit up all the time about I'm looking to buy watches or what do I want to do or and oftentimes I'm just like look go talk to Eric Wind, you know, like just go try to educate yourself as much as you can before you do this. But um, some of these questions that I have for you are stuff that people have asked me like repeatedly over the years. Um, so this will be, this will be a lot of fun, but basically we're talking all about how to buy a vintage watch. Um, and I know you've been buying vintage watches and watches as a whole for what, how long now? Uh, well, I started at Christie. I mean, I've been, I started writing for Hodinkee back in 2010. So mm-hmm. I've sort of been in the watch world for a decade. Over yeah. A decade. Um, but uh, I started my own business uh, back in 2017. And prior to that, worked at Christie's uh, as vice president, senior specialist, starting in 2015. Uh, so Jeez, that's a title. Picked up, picked up a few yeah. pointers along the way, I hope. Yeah. Well, First off, like when you look at vintage watches and you're looking at things that you want to, you know, let's just say like you want to just buy for yourself to build your collection. What are the the key things that you look for when you're, when you're buying a vintage watch? First thing is condition, which is uh, really what I'm focused on as both a buyer and seller and condition and originality are key Um, that comes into play with vintage watches and even new watches because these things are our tools they are worn they are used and they are mechanical so the perspective from the swiss watch industry Mm -hmm. and most watchmakers is typically to keep these things running as uh, effectively as possible and that includes you know replacing dials and hands uh, so you could see the watch at night maybe relooming the original dial in hand so you can relooming is like the 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 glow that they, they yeah the, more paint or whatever exactly for okay. sport watches that you could see them at night or in low light environments um so that 
those are that's kind of critical for these these old watches. Um, the other the other thing is that sort of come into play more more recently is uh, case condition, which uh, of course typically bring a watch in even to Rolex today, and they'll just want to polish it to make it look shiny and new and remove all the scratches. But mm-hmm. that removes that removes metal, so the, the the lugs end up getting thinner. We can lose the nice original bevels that were on the edges of these lugs originally. We can lose the crispness to the outer bezel piece. Mm-hmm. Um, all those things which people want to see on an untouched original watch, and the same sort of trends that happen in other collecting fields like cars or coins are happening with watches people want things that are as original as possible and as as untouched as possible Mm. uh, with as many original components as possible back in the day with cars everyone wanted something that looked new so you kind of heavily restore repaint right you know redo the fabric and the seats redo the engine and now people are more amazed by something that's untouched for decades uh, that's the case with vintage watches and definitely what I prefer as well. Interesting. Um, so, so that's kind of in brief what I focus on first, uh, condition originality. Then I look at the provenance of the watch, where it came from. You know, the reality is if a watch has all the correct parts, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't – it's sort of a debate within the vintage world, but – the watch could have had service parts, a service dial, service bezel insert, service hands, and someone could have replaced all those parts to original. And, um, you know, there's honestly no way you can tell without really knowing the provenance if that's happened or not. Wait, um, hold on. Let me just interrupt real quick. So you're saying that a watch could have been uh replaced with like a a service dial meaning that's a a new dial from the manufacturer yeah and then you're saying that the person could have then swapped that dial privately correct dial yeah with with the more original dial is that happened it sounds good right it's good but i prefer things that are all original that i know are original Uh, right when you start entering the the sort of public market, dealer market, et cetera, it's much more likely if you're buying something that that has happened. You can still judge something, whether it's correct or not. Mm -hmm. But the reality is restoration is getting so sophisticated with re-looming with original loom like tritium, you know, or vintage radium that people have. Uh, It's harder and harder to tell what's original and what's restored. So I prefer to sell things that I know are original, you know, that hopefully have ties to the original owners that I know where the watches have been the last decades. Right. Rather than kind of just running around, you know, buying things from other dealers that may have been previously restored. Uh, right. It's just my philosophy. No, I mean, that that seems like a very sound uh, philosophy with a lot of integrity behind it. But to to jump back real quick to condition... Say I have, um, I don't know, like a, a pilot's watch or a Submariner or something like that, and one has been heavily restored. So it's been polished and it looks like all the, the 
the hands and the dial have all been replaced versus an original one. How much does that affect the value? Like percentage? So it can massively affect it. Probably uh, here's a very solid comparison, but there is a reference 5508 small crown Submariner okay. that sold in uh, Phillips auction uh, in May, 2019 in Geneva it was found in a storage unit, had been worn no more than a handful of times by the original owner. Um, I think the storage unit went up for sale in one of those storage wars auctions. And, <laughs> okay. and it came, came from an estate where the owner had been a bit of a hoarder, but had marked everything in the, in the storage unit as trash. Oh my God. And, um, so they just sold it rather than going through all these trash bags. So someone bids, who knows what, $80 to bid the rights to the unit. Oh um, my God. Okay. And okay. <laughs> presuming it's just all these trash bags and then yeah. it starts <laughs> looking through the trash bags and there's a bag of Spanish gold doubloon coins. And <laughs> Wait, they, no one even like goes through that stuff before they, they, I guess there's just probably so many that they, they're like, they, we don't have the time. This, the rule with the storage auctions, and that's why the Storage Wars show is so popular on A&E, is you're bidding on a unit, but legally you cannot enter the unit until it's sold. So you can oh. only peer over the threshold. And Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> you can't touch anything because it's not your property until it's sold, until the gavel comes down and right. it's paid. Um so that show set off a whole group of people looking for storage unit auctions, which happened pretty frequently, surprisingly frequently. Um, so someone bought this unit thinking it's all trash, but you never know what you're going to find. And then happened to find a lot of gold Spanish doubloons and a Submariner in the box that was pretty much unworn among other things, I guess. So that watch, um, went to auction of course everyone was excited because it's sort of the reference example of what this watch looked like new it had a red triangle insert so it was an earlier 5508 mm -hmm. and that watch sold for five hundred thousand all in to fp jorn um <laughs> the, to the, to fp jorn is what you're saying yeah he was, okay he nice was bitter <laughs> i'd I'm not sure if he was bidding for himself or not. I believe he was bidding for a collector, but it's pretty funny. Everyone yeah. was, was just talking about it, needless to say. Yeah. But um, that watch with a service dial where it's, it says T less than 25 on the bottom of the dial, replaced by Rolex, service hands, service bezel insert might be want to hear the rest visit patreon.com forward slash blamo and join the blam fam hear this episode and more and join our private members only community where we chat all about clothes of course watches life and a bit of everything visit patreon.com forward slash blamo and we'll see you there <laughs>